Tonight's case is a story that even the most depraved horror writer would struggle to come up with. Over the course of four weeks spanning across 1977 and 1978, Richard Chase took the lives of six innocent victims in Sacramento, California, including that of a toddler. This is the case of Richard Chase. Welcome to Enter the Dark. That was fit, that was. And welcome to Enter the Dark. I am Jan. With me, as always, is the master of the rape eye, Les. How's it going? Oh, yeah. You okay, then? I'm all right. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just... You're embracing the rape eye. Monica, I am now. Me. I am now. Like, I've seen some of the stuff you've sent me, and I'm like, it's a character now. Yeah. Rape eye, Les. Although, although there was that guy who got got offended, didn't he? Got offended on oh, the yeah, comment, yeah. comments. Oh, we get many people offended by all. I fucking love videos. it. I, I do. fucking love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> We're not here for everyone. We're just here for the sick people. But yes, hello, welcome. How are you all? We hope you're all staying safe and doing well there. Um, yeah. So tonight's video is on Richard Trenton Chase, the Vampire of Sacramento. Les, do you know anything about this one? Did not Trenton Gardens. Not Trenton Gardens by us. Trenton Chase. So no Monkey Forest. No Monkey Forest, no. All right. Literally three people listening to this will know what you're on about right now. They'll be clapping, though. They'll be like, yeah, you did, did the reference. Uh, yeah. I've been to the Monkey Forest. It's, it's an overrated day out. It is, anyway. So, um, first of all, before we kick into this, we have to say hello to our patrons who pay us enough money for us to say their name. Literally, we're literally whores. Um, it's Hannah Blue Harrington, um, Amanda Champagne, Swiss Phil, Astoria Crowley, Emma Jett, and Amy. Sorry, Amy. I left you to last there. Sasha Johnson and Lisa Dempsey. Hello, everybody. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. If you do wish to support us because YouTube don't like us, they really don't. Um, you can support us on Patreon by going to www.patreon.com forward slash enter the dark. Or you can go to Cash App if you just want to give us a one-off tip. Go to Pound Sign, Enter the Dark on Cash App. And I also think I've set up a Buy Me a Coffee account. But well, you've got a coffee. A coffee. Is that what it's called? A coffee account? Yeah, but I, 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 I did it when I was tired, so. There's this guy called the Welsh Viking, <laughs> and he's got a coffee account. And even though I love his channel, because it's like dead informative and interesting, every time he's like, he's like, thank you for buying me a coffee. And I get fucking rage. Les has been drinking, just to let you know. Yeah, a little bit. He's he's had a couple of beers, and it, it, it's going to be an interesting one tonight. So then, I, I did tell you to keep drinking because I thought it'd be funny. He did. Obvious. And he's opened Pandora's box. This is going to be funny. You thought he was bad before, Jesus Christ. Anyway, someone's going to end up impregnated by the end of the night, aren't they? So then, Richard Trenton Chase. Probably you. It probably will be me. I'm talented. So then, Richard Trenton Chase, just give you a brief overview of him there, Les. He wasn't of a stable mind. No? No. He suffered from psychosis, schizophrenia, and extreme paranoia. And over time, this manifested his brutal acts against anyone unlucky enough to find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh. Now, the FBI still use him as the archetype of the disorganised killer. So he isn't meticulous in any way, as you'll see. 
he was off the rails with it all. No calling card or like oh, set patterns. No, no, no. He just the very essence of chaos. He he was literally he was he was the essence of chaos. It's once we get into this, you'll realise how profound. Please put Jeff words. Goldblum in. I might put Jeff Goldblum in. Yeah, I think the Tyrannosaur uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules. It's the essence uh, of chaos. Jurassic Park. Anyway, born on the 23rd of May 1950 in Santa Clara, California, the younger of two children, Richard Chase, was thrust headfirst into a life of misery. Not much is known about his early life, but some say that from a young age, Richard was physically abused by his father. Whereas Ray Biondi, who helped capture and wrote a book on Chase, said that his father was just your average disciplinarian for the time. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a, oh no, he was just a disciplinarian because like, you know, people used to hit you with massive spoons, wooden spoons and shit like that and think it was okay. And, you know, he probably did. It, it's just a generational thing. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like how people are saying that like... Because didn't Matthew McConaughey come out and say come out and say that like he he got pretty much a bit of a bad you know he got beatings and he's he's like defending it going like oh no it's it's fine it's fine it's fine and he's just like I'm fine I'm fine I like Matthew McConaughey anyway thought you was going to be fun. So then, in 1960, when Chase was 10 years old, his mother told a neighbour that she'd found a dead cat buried in her flower boxes. This neighbour later told Biondi that while the family lived in the neighbourhood, cats would go missing all the time. But when the family moved, the disappearances stopped. By age 12, Richard displayed the three traits which are now considered the blueprint for fledgling serial killers. Bedwetting, animal cruelty, and arson. Separately, these behaviours are pretty common in adolescence, but when they all show up in a child's development, it can be a strong indicator of future antisocial behaviour issues. Oh, shit. But Richard's parents put it down to boys being boys. And that is the first case of his parents making grave underestimates of their son. I, But that is just boys being boys. Sometimes you do wet yourself. And sometimes... All three, together, you, you, all the time... I mean, not all together. That's a lot of multitasking. So there you go. I drove... I didn't drive that budgie into the mirror. He flew. He He thought it was a window, and he's a stupid bird. Carry on. You know Hannah, who pays us money? She's a big bird fan. I like birds. They're dinosaurs. Modern dinosaurs. But that... I'm just saying my auntie Sue didn't need to hold a grudge. The way she did. You know, you shouldn't have fingered your uncle then. Anyway, however, he did not show any signs of schizophrenia in school. He was described as being successful socially and romantically. But the problem started when he tried to take relationships to the next level. He tried to have sex with two girls in high school who both said that he had trouble sustaining an erection. Which is devastating to any teenage boy. But, however, for someone on the verge of schizophrenia, it was just what he needed to set it in motion. Yeah. Go on. You just, you can laugh. This is your anal wall for this one, isn't it? <laughs> Couldn't keep it up. <laughs> now, in his defence, he didn't just sit there and moan about it. He went to see a psychiatrist about his impotence. 
That's good. That's and proactive. It is, but the I don't know how good the psychiatrist was because he didn't pick up on any sort of schizophrenia or he just was like, you're not paying me for schizophrenia, so I'll just ignore it. He told Richard that the cause was usually suppressed anger towards women. However, Chase was not interested in what the cause was. He just wanted a cure for it. So when he was in health class, he read that the penis becomes engorged with blood when it is wrecked, which it does. Yeah. So they're teaching him well. To his mind, though, this meant one thing. He needed more blood. If he could drink more blood, he would cure his impotence. Probably, you know... I can see the logical steps he's made there. Yeah, in a schizophrenic mind, you can see it, can't you? Yeah, that's more jumping on stones to cross a river, but one stone's halfway up the fucking bank. Maybe you could jump for it. I don't fucking know, do I? Take a swig, E.B. Anyway, the first victim was a kitten that he took from his girlfriend's house and kept it his. Then came a neighbour's dog named fucking Sabbath. 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 He was a black Labrador. Oh, a Labrador. Yeah. Black Labrador named Sabbath. Hmm. Anyway, he shot him with a twenty-two rifle and collected the blood in a Dixie cup that he pressed up against the bullet holes. So sort of like a soda fountain where you fill up your own cups. Just did that on bullet holes to fill it up with blood. That's pretty fucking metal, to be fair. It is, yeah. While at home, Richard kind of kept things together. But when he moved in with two female friends, his mind kind of began to unravel. At first, things were fine. But then this was the 70s. So like most other young people, he started taking LSD, weed and amphetamine. He became increasingly paranoid and stopped showering and refused to wash his clothes. One night, he boarded up his bedroom door locked himself at the inside of his wardrobe and boarded it up from the inside. His friends managed to get him out of his paranoid Fort Knox, but when they asked him why he did it, he said, people were sneaking up on me from the inside. From the inside? From the inside. What does that mean? I'm not schizophrenic, I don't know. You can't think of this logically. This is his schizophrenic brain. It gets worse, don't worry. From the inside of him or the inside of his house? Well, don't worry, we'll get to it. Okay, you'll see it goes further another time when his friends were in the living room he walked out of his room completely naked and started jabbering incomprehensible nonsense at them i done that no you just talk about history and shit that's not incomprehensible nonsense that's something that you think is important to people but no one gives a shit about no the like naked thing like i done that i didn't know it was an all girls block yes you did i mean you broke into it I didn't break into it. I was taken there under duress. No, you weren't. Basically, when Les went to university, they thought he was a girl because of his name. So they put him in an all-girl block. No, but then they transferred me to a non-all-girl block, and it was mint because I had a fucking ensuite. Ladies and gentlemen, the world of Les. (laughs) The friendly world of Les Reapers! A few weeks later, he went to a party and spent the whole night wriggling on the floor, making strange noises and moaning. I mean, there, he's just trying to do a new dance, isn't he? He's like, hey, everybody, do the schizo. (laughs) Can you say demonetization? (laughs) 
we've been demonetized so much. It's not even funny. Even when we're monetized, it's only by half of the advertisers because they're like, the other good half are like, we're not fucking touching them. Not even Raid Shadow Legends will fucking touch us. And we won't touch you either. You can fuck off with your wank fantasy bollocks. Yeah, fuck off. Um, One by one, his friends would start to abandon him, but one incident would cause everyone in his social circle to walk away for good. He received an invite to a friend's apartment one night and was left alone with a girl he didn't know while two friends went out to get some beer. Oh, that's not good, is it? As soon as they left, he started trying to touch the girl and would follow her around the room while she tried to fight him off. When the two friends returned, the girl told them what happened and when confronted, Richard started to deny it in a high-pitched voice (laughs) which he raised into a screaming falsetto. Saying nobody had the right to tell him what to do or where to go. So it'd be like, nobody has the right to tell me what to do or where to go. How dare you? Nobody has the right to tell me where to go or what to do. Yeah, I'm singing so high right now. Only dogs and bats can hear me. Ah. It fell out of my trousers. Weirdly, though. His friends, li- <laughs> his friends listened to him for an hour and then said, dude, you got to leave. An hour of him just screaming in a falsetto voice. It'd freak you out. but Yeah, it would freak you out. I mean, I can imagine him just sitting there as he's going on for an hour, just like looking like slightly horrified. And like after he finishes, it's like, you finished? Yeah, go. Go, go, leave. (laughs) Anyway, soon after this incident, he was kicked out of his apartment and he moved in with his mother. During this time, he was mostly left to his own devices and developed hypochondria. He would tell his mother that his heart would stop for a few moments, his stomach was turned around backwards, and the bones were starting to grow out of the back of his head. That'd be pretty fucking cool. When his behaviour became too much, he was sent to live with his father. And when it was too much for him, he was packed off back to his mother. When they both had enough, he was sent from Sacramento to live with his grandmother in Los Angeles. For the next year, he kept himself occupied while driving a school bus of developmentally disabled kids to the school where his grandmother worked. The fox among the chickens. Mm. While there are no details of any events happening this year, he was sent back to live with his mother in Sacramento. Can you imagine him on that bus? I imagine he talks like fucking Zed. From um, police academy, and he'd be driving. The kids are like, "That'd be amazing, wouldn't it?" I really hope he did teach speak like that to the kids. Anyway, not long after his return, Chase's health issues in inverted commas got worse, which resulted in him repeatedly calling the emergency services. On the last occasion, a paramedic told his mother that the problem was more than likely mental and not physical, and she should get him some help. Soon after, she checked him into the American River Hospital. After receiving the first real mental health treatment in his life, the doctors diagnosed him as schizophrenic. That was seriously the name of the fucking hospital? American River Hospital. Like which fucking one? The American one. There's a lot of fucking rivers in America. Couldn't they have just fucking picked one? Well, it'd be the one in California. I don't fucking know. Well, it'd be that one. Well, Maybe they don't have a river. So they were like, let's call it American River. And they just had a light little fucking pond outside. Yeah. 
nice little water feature. Yes, you know, look like boat. come in. That's the American River. Which which river? The Mississippi? No, this is that's California. Yeah, 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 yeah. So chill the fuck out. Yeah, they shouldn't be fucking calling. There are hospitals, American River. Be more fucking. Ours is called the Royal Stoke, and there's nothing fucking royal about it. Didn't it get a royal visit? Every hospital gets a royal visit. They wheel them all out. Well, they're they're in fucking Stoke, aren't they? They're not really got much fucking going for them. Exactly. So you know, COVID figures. Oh yeah, they're they're fucking sky high. high. But yeah, Um, but I mean, don't put too much stock into the name of the hospital. You know, he's being treated, Les. Chill out. Okay. Okay, he's being treated. Drinky beer. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, Les. It's fine. It's not fine. So the doctors recommended that he stay in the hospital for treatment and care, but he could return home if he stuck to a treatment plan. His mother took him home, but ignored the doctor's recommendation of a treatment plan. As a result of his mother's stupid decision, his delusions got worse. That is pretty stupid. It is. It got worse to the point where he was certain that his mother was poisoning his food and controlling his mind. Well, kind of. She kind of is fucking controlling his mind because it's like he doesn't need this fucking treatment plan. He'll be all right. I'll just give him some fucking nice water. Faced with their son's disturbing behaviour, his parents, rather than getting him help and the treatment that he sorely needed, decided that the best cure was to give him independence. They set him up in his own apartment across town, gave him an allowance, and let him to do what he wanted. Oh, for fuck's sake. Now, he spent much of this newfound independence riding his bike to and from the local rabbit farm. (coughs) He would buy a rabbit, bring it home, kill it, then eat the entrails raw. Slight of mice and men, innit, with Lenny. <laughs> Tell me about the rabbits, George. No. Lenny, look at the rabbits. Boom! <laughs> Take that, John Malkovich. If he could, he would drink the blood separately, but if he was short on time, he would put the entrails and the blood into a blender, blend them together, and then drink them down in a sort of morbid milkshake. Well, he's not a barbarian, I'll give him that. He's eating rabbit entrails raw. He's blending them, though. No, sometimes he just eats them raw. If he's got time, he'll separate the blood. If not, he'll just put them all together. It's pretty barbaric. It's barbaric, but at least he uses tools of civilization. A bicycle. Yes. To the rabbit farm. To the rabbit farm. I'm on my metal steed. Come with me, Lenny. (laughs) (laughs) Come with me, Lenny. The guy's like, okay, George. Guys, like, well, I thought I told you, my name's Pablo. I live below you. I just don't like the. I just don't like the rabbit screams. (laughs) Just stop it, please, Richard. I hear them in the night. I hear them in the shower. (laughs) He began. He began drinking the blood and eating the entrails as he believed that his heart was shrinking and the only thing that would stop it from disappearing was copious amounts of blood. But essentially what was happening at the time, he was displaying symptoms of Cotard syndrome. So Cotard syndrome can manifest in three different ways. One, the patient believes that they are a walking corpse. Two, the patient believes that they are alive, but they are rotting from the inside. Holy fuck. Or three, the patient believes they are missing essential pieces of their anatomy, such as organs or blood. Yeah. You do have people who walk around thinking they are, like, uh, dead and, like, rotting and shit like that. 
Imagine that, like in a fucking icebreaker, <laughs> like situation, like okay, a fucking job. I'm blind, a fucking blind date. You're like, so <clears> I'm, hi, my name's Jan. I'm, what? what What's your name? My name's Sally. Yeah. So what's what do you do? Well, not. I'm much. missing a bladder. What? Not much. Why? Well, I, I'm dead. You're dead. Yeah, I'm just a walking corpse. Really? Yeah. You don't smell like a walking corpse. I am one. Sally, the talking corpse. Oof, oof. She's dead, of course. <laughs> so, a few months after eating raw rabbit, Richard started to find out that rather than cure him, the diet was making him a bit sick. Well, One night, his father dropped by to check up on him and found Richard sitting on the couch wearing only a pair of shorts and was deathly white. Richard explained his diet to his father and informed him that one of the rabbits had gone bad and he had food poisoning. It's gone bad. But his father convinced him to go to the emergency room to get checked out. Do- I didn't I didn't like the look of it when I picked it up, no. Dad. It had this weird look in its eye, gone bad. Well, the doctors agreed, yeah, he was you are sick, Richard, but not in you haven't got food poisoning. You have blood poisoning. Holy fuck. What's so it like giving himself fucking sepsis? It occurred because Richard had moved on from drinking rabbit cocktails to injecting them straight into his veins. Get me a hit of rabbit. He said he had done this as he had eaten a rabbit that was contaminated with battery acid and the acid had seeped through the walls of his stomach and into his flesh. The only cure was a fresh dose of clean blood into his system. So he's fucking off. He's off the reservation now. This is the fucking point. How did the rabbit get the battery acid? He didn't, Les. Yeah, but... He's saying that someone's contaminating it because they want to kill him. The people on the he's inside. Paranoid. Yeah, he's paranoid. So it can't be that his diet is killing him, this raw rabbit diet that he's eating. It's something's wrong. People are trying to kill me. It must be battery acid. Stop trying to rationalise it. So his father could no longer ignore his son's mental illness and he had him committed to a mental hospital. Two days later, Richard would escape by running out the front door but he was quickly captured and transferred to a more secure facility. Good. Just imagine, can't you, like, the door opens and goes, Lucas, run, run! That sounded like fucking Bill Cosby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> While he stayed in the hospital, the other inmates nicknamed him Dracula, as all he spoke about was blood. And this nickname became more appropriate when he emerged from his room one day with his blood smeared all over his face. Sounds like an edgy fucking 13-year-old. Worried that he had possibly killed someone, orderlies went into his room, but there was nobody inside. When they looked outside the window, they saw two birds on the ground with broken necks. So he grabbed the birds from his windowsill, cracked them, bit into them, smeared the blood over his face, chucked them away. Even this macabre event... Chase was released from hospital on September the 29th, 1976, to the horror and disapproval of the entire medical staff, apart from his own personal doctor. Going against the diagnosis of every single doctor, nurse, and everyone in the hospital, he stated Richard had developed good socialisation and had a realistic view of his problems. That doctor is responsible for what comes after. Think about that. Was that doctor on crack? I I fuck it. I don't even think he was a doctor. He didn't even play one on television. I think he was just fucking one of the mental patients 
who'd been there that long and he just wore a white coat. They were like, yeah, he was a doctor. Call me doctor. And did it fucking. Anyway, upon his release, Richard was medicated and his parents were granted a temporary conservatorship to watch over him. However, once again, his mother decided that she knew best and said he didn't need his medication and weaned him off it. Oh, for fuck's sake with this woman. After 30 days, they let the conservatorship expire and Richard was left to his own devices and the floodgates opened for the carnage that would follow. On August the 3rd, 1977, police were called to the Pyramid Lake in Nevada as they had received reports of an abandoned car. They found a 1966 Ford Ranchero that was stuck in sand and had a bumper sticker ironically saying, I'd rather be flying. If it's flying, you won't get cooked. Inside the car, there were two loaded rifles that were bloodstained, a pair of bloody tennis shoes, and a blood-soaked pile of clothes. In the footwell of the car, the police saw a liver floating in a bucket of blood. What kind of liver? Using the binoculars to look around, they spotted a naked Richard Chase sitting on a rock about half a mile away. When they approached him, Chase took off running, but was quickly caught by an officer on an ATV. When he was caught, the police saw that Richard had blood all over his face, chest, ears and armpits. They asked him where the blood was from and he replied, It's seeping from me. Oh, more like, It's seeping from me! Police started to make plans to arrest him. However, when they found out the liver was from a cow and not a human, they just let him go. Didn't even charge him with public nudity. They just let him go. It's just a cow and he's naked. I'm not dealing with this shit. Ten minutes till I finish my shift. Terence... No, it's too much paperwork. It's too much. However, his blood fantasies would soon escalate to something else entirely. Four months after the desert incident on December 27th, 1977, at around 6.30pm, Dorothy Polensky was doing the dishes in her kitchen when she heard a pop followed by breaking glass. She felt a flash of heat pass over her skull. Richard Chase had driven by her house at random and shot his legally bought... 22 pistol at her. Legally bought. He's a he's a diagnosed schizophrenic and he's legally allowed to buy a gun. Good job, America. Oh, say can you, you see? see? Yeah. So, <laughs> the bullet had gone through her window, passed through the bun on top of her head and lodged in the back of an open cupboard. Nobody saw the shooter and the police were at a loss. However, they would soon find a matching bullet at a much more serious crime. I mean, how fucking lucky is she? That was like an inch further down. She'd be shot in the head, but it just went through. Like She had a bun on top of her head, went through her hair. That just shows you some fashion choices will save your life. I don't think it deflected it. It just, it it was moving Absorbed it. No, he just went through it. It was like a through and through. Went into the back of the cupboard. If it was an inch lower, that bum would have done fuck all. It would have gone into a fucking forehead. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if she had another hairstyle, it wouldn't have passed through it. That no, way, it would have just gone she? over her head. Yeah. But it just, because her hair was off. Well, at least she's got a cool story to tell. Yeah. Anyway, on December the 29th, 1977, Richard was driving in his car when he saw 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin unloading groceries from his car. His wife said she heard two loud pops and when she turned around, her husband was falling to the ground. The first bullet had missed Griffin, but the second hit him directly in the chest. 
Shit. His wife was in such a state of shock, she didn't see Richard Chase driving away. After the thrill of taking his first human life, Chase's bloodlust was insatiable. His neighbour Dawn Lawson said that over the next month, she saw him carrying two dogs and a cat into his apartment, but never saw him walking the dogs. She was afraid of what had become of the animals, but didn't deem it worthy enough to report it to anyone. <sighs> Fucking neighbourhood apathy. Yeah. I can kind of see where she's coming from. I mean, from. I wouldn't want, if I'm not going to fucking, I wouldn't grass on the fucking crazy guy upstairs, would you? No, no. Jesus. So I've seen him take dogs and cats in there, but I ain't seen him walking them, and I, I think they're dead. Mm. You were grass? No. No. Grass? Anyway, Richard, <laughs> not me. Richard began to realise that animal blood was no longer making him feel better. So on January the 23rd, 1978, he decided to get up close and personal with his next victim. Okay. First off, he went to um, 2909 Beneath Street and walked up to the patio doors of a woman named Jeanne Layton. The only thing that saved her life that day was the lore of the vampire. The lore of the vampire, yeah. right, okay. So, when he was speaking to an FBI profiler after his arrest, he said that when he left the house to commit a murder, there was only one rule. The houses of his victims needed to be unlocked. So, like with vampires, it's like, you know, you being be invited, invited in. Yeah. yeah, he saw it as... If the door was unlocked, it's an invite in. I can see that logic. So he found Jen Layton's front door locked. So he checked the windows, which were also locked. Finally, he moved around to the back of the house where he found Layton staring through the glass. She later told police that he stared straight at her, showing no emotion whatsoever. She said it was like he was just looking at her car in her showroom, just staring at it. Eventually, he lit a cigarette and he walked out of her backyard. How fucking scary would that, that be? That is terrifying, yeah. You're there in your kitchen just looking out and you see this guy just staring at you, no emotion, staring at you for a few minutes then just lights a cigarette and walks out. I get like a bit like that when somebody uses like my uh, wheelie bin, which is at the front of my house. Sometimes they do that and I don't know. Take it around the back then. Can't get through that gate, it's locked. It's, yeah, but it's not locked. I think it's the hedge that's overgrown onto it. No, no, there's a big padlock and the fucking landlord hasn't given me the bastard key. I can't fucking move it. Put it one way, I had electrics done the other week and the motherfuckers, they had to like fucking remove the gate. They had to remove the gate, like take it off and then I put it back fucking on again with the lock. So now it's locked again. First wheel problems here, Les. I'm just saying is all. At least if Richard Have Chase, you seen that fucking alley as well? Out if the Richard, back? yeah, but the Lord of the Vampire, you're safe. Well, you're I know I'm safe so because no child. one's getting through that fucking gate. Well, I don't know. I tried. I was going to climb over it when I brought you Christmas presents with Tink. Yeah, but then I woke up. Yeah. Anyway. He Interesting found... insight for you all there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this, is le- this is the peak of our lives. He's like, my gate's locked. And anyway, I had the electrics done. I saw real people that weren't Jan. 30 minutes later, he entered the unlocked home of Robert and Barbara Edwards. The couple had been to the grocery store and found Chase standing in their hallway. He ran from room to room being chased by the couple until he finally escaped through the front door. It's like fucking Scooby-Doo, isn't it? He's just <laughs> running. They're like, well, back he's, he's in there with the, in a fucking like suit of army, jumps out and runs. <laughs> it's like a shit benny hill anyway when they looked around the house after chase had left they found a bag of their valuables chase had planned to take 
When they decided to check upstairs in their baby's bedroom, they had found that Chase had soaked their child's clothes with urine and had taken a dump on the kid's bed. <laughs> Just fucking killed one out on the bed. <laughs> That's really fucking nasty. It is just like, <laughs> oh, you got a baby, I'm just going to piss on its clothes and shit in its bed. It's insane because, like, them things are, like, fucking pissing and shitting themselves and all, all these the time. And all he's eating is fucking raw rabbits and dog and cat, so, so like, that shit's going to... That's going to be some raw fucking shit. Yeah, that's going to smell. It's going to, like, crimp something out, like, from fucking... Gene's Abbott. It's gonna look like the fucking the Quatermass experiment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Quatermass in the pit. <laughs> Good reference. Yeah, thank Good you. fucking reference. Uh, thank you. I'm not being too obnoxious, by the way, am I? You're always too obnoxious. Yeah, but like, I no, no, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, while Richard escaped the night, still wasn't over. Something equally strange happened next. Nancy Holden, a young woman, had been shopping in that evening in the nearby um, centre. As she was leaving one of the stores, an unkempt man approached her who she believed to be homeless. The man walked up to her and said, Weren't you on the motorcycle when Kurt was killed? Nancy was stunned. Ten years before, she had indeed dated someone named Kurt who died in a motorcycle accident. However, she had no idea who this strange man was. It wasn't until Richard said, It's me, Rick Chase that Nancy realised who she was talking to. He looked nothing like she remembered. Richard was an old school friend of Nancy's, but it was clear that Richard had struggled throughout a difficult life. He was clearly nervous, craving a drug hit, and his clothes were ridden with stains. Nancy made her excuses, but Richard followed her to the car, begging for a lift. However, Nancy quickly made her escape as he was clutching for the passenger door. After Nancy had left, he walked back to the neighbourhood where he'd just come from and saw a van that had been at the grocery store he'd just left. The address was 2360 Tioga Way and the house belonged to a woman named Teresa Wallen. He walked to the door and checked if it was unlocked and then he opened it. Lock your fucking doors, people. Yeah. This is what, you know when people always say, like old people are like, oh, back in my day, you didn't have to lock your door. It's like, people were being killed by serial killers all the fucking time. Like this one's, oh, I don't lock my door because, you know, you don't need to in this time. You've literally got a fucking schizophrenic madman coming in your house who's obsessed with blood. Didn't that, like, didn't Peter Sutcliffe do that as well at one point? He just hit prostitutes with that. Yeah, I know, but I swear he went in somebody's house and fucking did it as well. Possibly. Can't remember. We'll cover him. We'll cover Peter Sutcliffe. Yeah, we need to do Peter Sutcliffe. We've not done a lot of British ones, have we? And boring. <laughs> we'll get to some Hold on, ones. the Wests. No, Come no, on now. Yeah, Fred and Rose. Don't talk to me about the holy couple. They are the holy couple. They are. I love them. Anyway, Rose, if you're listening. I really wish Rose West had listened to this. Rose, if you're here, gives a shout out. Can we, can we send it to her? Is there any way? I don't think we can, but we can write to her. Let's write a letters. Do you want to write a letter to Rose oh, West? Yeah, let's write a letter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be like, we heard you meet. In that Dennehy one in there, shall we do a double letter? No, 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 no. Just go to Rose West. Just go to Rose Just West. Just go to work, Rose West. Do you want to bake me a cake, Rose West? Yeah. And send it. We'll bake you one, put a file in it. Put a file in right. it. Yeah. Yeah. We? And then we can have our unholy <clears throat> union, can't we, Rose? Can't we? Who, who, says, who says that it's only women who can be into serial killers? Oh. You know, wait till we get to the double header of Casey Anthony and Jodie Arias. Anyway, I, mean, I hate this video. 
anyway, all, all I'm going to say now is that me and Hanny have got you a little surprise for the Judy Arias video. Really? Yeah. Oh. Because we just want your reaction on something. Anyway, Teresa was just on her way out. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> Teresa was just on her way out with a garbage bag and saw Richard point a gun at her. She dropped the bag and raised her hand just as Chase took a shot. The bullet entered her palm, travelled through her arm and exited her elbow, causing the bullet to nick her neck. Ooh. Chase shot again and this bullet entered the top of Teresa's skull and she fell to the ground. He took one more shot from six inches away, fired the bullet directly into her temple. Considering what occurred next, this was a mercy killing. He dragged the body to the bedroom, leaving a long streak of blood on the floor. He then walked to the kitchen and picked up a knife and then picked up an empty yoghurt pot from the spilled garbage in the hallway and then returned to the bedroom. He began to repeatedly stab the body with such force that he split open the sternum. Fuck. He then sliced open the left side of her stomach, reached inside and pulled out her intestines. Taking care to avoid the kidneys, he stabbed her eight more times. He then plunged the yoghurt pot into Teresa's stomach, filled it with blood and then drank it. He filled the pot up again and took it to the bathroom where he smeared some over his face. But before he left her dissected body for her husband to find, Richard went outside covered in blood, picked up some dog feces and stuffed it into Teresa's mouth in the final act of defilement. Never look at Froobes the same way again. She was three months pregnant. Oh, sorry. Don't edit that. The police had no clue who was responsible for this horrendous massacre. Only a bloody footprint and crimson rings near the body that looked to be from a bucket or a pot that was placed on the floor. Fucking hell. Yeah, so you can see how unhinged he is at the moment. And it only gets worse, Les. Sorry, but like, have you got the Munch Bunch advert running through your head right now? No. Please say you're going to find the Munch Bunch advert that... And maybe put it on. Splicey. Now that's what I call smooth. There's nothing smoother than a pot shot from Munch Bunch. Yo! Anyway, on January the 24th, Chase walked around the neighbourhood going door to door, asking for back issues of Mad Magazine and Cosmopolitan. The next day, a couple in the same neighbourhood walked into the backyard to find one of their Labrador puppies dead from a gunshot wound and its stomach ripped open. The police asked them if they had seen anybody strange in the neighbourhood. Is this another Labrador? Yeah, another puppy. Black one? I don't know, didn't say. Could be. It's black. Yes, Les, it's black Labrador. Okay. Popular in this part of town. They are, aren't they? Anyway, they told him about the terrible smelling man who had visited their house a few days before and left with two of the other puppies. This caught the attention of Ray Biondi, who was the lead investigator in the Teresa Wallen case. The stories of the magazine hunting man had gotten his curiosity, but when you added violence to the same man, it had his attention. He ordered an autopsy of the puppy and they found fragments of a twenty-two bullet, but it wasn't enough to match with the bullets from the Wallen case. But on January the 27th, 1978, Richard Chase reached peak rampage in what would prove to be one of the bloodiest and cruelest mass murders in American history. Evelyn Miroth was a 38-year-old single mother and she lived with her two sons, Vernon, who was 13, and Jason, who was 6. On this day, Evelyn was at home with Jason and his sister-in-law's 20-month-old toddler. 
The plan that day was for Jason to go on a play date with a neighbour to the foot of the Sierra Nevada mountains, but he would not leave the house alive. At 9.05am, Evelyn's friend Danny Meredith came over for a visit. Evelyn had forgotten to rent snowshoes for her son's trip to the mountains and asked Danny if he could run an errand to get some. After Meredith had left, Richard Chase entered the house through an unlocked back door and went into the bathroom where Evelyn was soaking in the bath. He shot her in the head, killing her instantly. Holy fuck. While we can't be certain what happened next, it is thought that Jason had heard the gunshot and walked to the bathroom to see what was happening. As he walked into the adjoining bedroom, he was shot twice in the head. Chase then removed Evelyn's body from the tub and dragged it to the bed and then went to the kitchen to get a knife. While he was licking, Danny Meredith came through the front door with the snowshoes. Chase walked up to him and shot him between the eyes. Chase then heard a noise in the next room. It was the cries of a toddler. Walking into the room, Chase placed the gun against the two-year-old's head and pulled the trigger. Chase then returned to the bedroom with two carving knives and began the same demented procedure that he had performed on Teresa Wallen. He cut the stomach from sternum to navel, then cut across the belly, exposing the intestines which he pulled out. He then began stabbing at specific organs, leaving the kidneys alone once again. He carved off a piece of liver and ate it, and then he disposed of the other organs and collected the blood that had pulled in the stomach cavity in a bucket. In a final act of depravity, he turned the body over, stabbed it in the anus six times and sodomized the wound. Why? He then turned the body back over, sliced open the neck, and then removed one of the eyes. Just one? Just one of the eyes. Chase then went into the toddler's room and brought the body into the bathroom. He split the head open above the bath and began removing the brains. Only a knock on the door stopped him from carrying on. The knock came from a neighbour who was taking Jason to the Sierra Nevada mountains, but Chase luckily did not answer the door. Instead, he waited for the little girl to leave, got the keys to Meredith's station wagon and drove off with a bucket of blood and the body of a 20-month-old toddler. Oh, God. 30 minutes later, a worried neighbour entered through an unlocked back door and saw Meredith's body lying dead. She ran and called the police straight away. So she did, luckily, she didn't see what was up going on in the bedroom. The police were at a loss with a motive to the killings, although they were sure the killer was the same as Teresa Wallen. They had the same bloody rings next to the body, the same bloody footprints, and the bullets were all fired from the same gun. They had no fingerprints as Chase, in a move showing he was aware of right or wrong, wore rubber gloves to not leave any fingerprints behind. Now, Lieutenant Biondi was at a loss, so he tried a new technique that he'd learned at an FBI seminar two years earlier, psychological profiling. Using all the evidence, he was able to assume that, one, since there were no witnesses in the suburbs that remembered seeing any minorities, it was a safe assumption that the killer was white. Now, remember, this is the 1970s. So if you see a minority in the suburbs, you call the police because you're like, it's fucking gentrification. Well, essentially, you know, white suburbs of people with, you know, you moved away from people of color because, you know, we're white. So fuck you, America. And also Britain and any other racist country. Well, I was going to say, we did have those signs, didn't we? Oh, we did. No dogs, no No blacks, no Irish. Like, that was a thing we did. And it was fucking appalling then. And the entire British Empire. You know, we we take the piss out of you American guys, but, you know, 
all hands aren't clean. You know, we fucking, you know, Winston Churchill. Everyone thinks, oh, he's great. Yeah. Still, though, the Boston Massacre wasn't a fucking massacre. It was like five people. Fucking get some perspective. Jesus fucking Christ. It's like, oh, five people, a little bit wounded. We'll throw all that tea in the fucking river. We'll dress up as Mohicans. Fuck you. Chill out. <laughs> it angers me slightly. It angers me. Slightly? Slightly less? They all want to fucking come back. They all want to suckle. Anyway. They all want to come back and suckle on the tea of the empire, don't you? Don't well, you? Well, we've got the empire now. What? The Falkland Islands we use for strategic exactly. sheep purposes. Exactly. The Falklands. The Falklands. Anyway. Penguins. they got penguins too. <laughs> <laughs> Some Americans like fucking just there, like I'm gonna fucking kill that lime prick. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, he's my best friend, but you know, he deserves it after he, that. He, 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 he does. Anyway, number you two. You love me really, just like the Empire. Number two, the only suspicious white man who had been recently reported was the smelly stranger asking for magazines and buying puppies. Number three, the killer was probably schizophrenic. As the attacks were disorganised and committed in broad daylight, he was completely removed from reality. Number four, he was an out-of-work, unmarried loner who was a social outcast. And number five, he had spent time in a mental institution. Now, for a lieutenant who'd been to a seminar, he's pretty fucking bang on. Mm -hmm. And the FBI do take a lot of credit. They say, oh yeah, we caught Richard Chase. No. It was the Sacramento police and Ray Biondi. He used FBI profiling, which they taught to cops to catch people. But the FBI tried to take credit for this, but they didn't do it. It was Sacramento PD. Well done. Hey, is that like a good police? Well, this is good police. Yeah, that's good police because we've had some bad ones. We've had some terrible police work, but Jesus Christ. Well done, Lieutenant Biondi. Anyway. The police started to canvass neighbourhoods in the Sacramento area inquiring about suspicious persons, and they were repeatedly told about a tall, skinny, filthy man in his 20s wearing an orange parka. But it was Sacramento in the 70s, and there were a lot of men fitting this description in Sacramento, so it wasn't really very helpful. But they did manage to get a composite sketch of the man himself. The case was broken wide open when Nancy Holden saw the sketch and recognised Richard from a few days before. She told her father-in-law, who was a police officer, about the incident at the grocery store. This information was relayed to Biondi, who looked into Chasey's past and discovered he spent time in a mental institution where he was described as a violent patient who had an obsession for blood. Chase also had an arrest for carrying concealed 22 and the port of the naked desert incident at Pyramid Lake. Detectives drove to Chasey's apartment and knocked on the door and could hear him moving around inside. They had no warrant and had to assume that the toddler could still be alive inside. But didn't want to burst in, so what they did was say, Okay, we're going now. We will come back later. Stampy, stampy, stamp. Yeah, so sort of, I can imagine him just like, <clears throat> like a Foley artist that just... Like that bit of Home Alone too. It's like, oh, Marv, yeah. right in the schnoz. Yeah, literally that. <laughs> 
They said, we'll do that and wait for him to leave. And it worked. A couple of minutes later, Richard Chase came out of the apartment carrying a box. Simple fool. The police descended on him and wrestled him to the ground in a tense struggle where Chase almost managed to get his gun from his shoulder holster. Finally, subdued, they placed him in handcuffs. They quickly got a warrant for Chase's apartment, and when they saw inside, they knew they were dealing with a madman. Every surface was stained either with fresh or dried blood, including a loaf of French bread that was on the couch next to his bloody sleeping bag. I really fancy a baguette now. Small bits of bone were scattered everywhere, and his blender reeked of rotting flesh. Inside the fridge were the bodies of dead animals and a container that had human brain matter inside. It was assumed that this belonged to the missing toddler. Oh, stop me making me hungry. No less. I was going to make a vegan this, I'm joking. Fucking Don't. cut that. Shh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't realise that was the follow-up. They also found anatomy textbooks, health magazines, a newspaper classifier section with all of the dogs for sale circled. They also found a notebook filled with handwritten notes drawings of guns, obscene images, swastikas, and German translations. What? One page had Richard's signature written 12 times with a statement at the bottom. My name is Richard Chase. I am a 0-1000 computer. I was sent here in the year 10,000. He's pretty much off the reservation here, isn't he? Yeah. Amid all the gore, police found a calendar with the word today written on the dates of the Wallin and Mirath murders. The same word was written on 44 more dates over the next year. Chase was charged with six counts of murder and his trial was moved 120 miles south to Santa Clara County because of the local outrage over his crimes, which you can... Wow. Which is justified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, his insanity defence was rejected after five hours of deliberation by the jury and Richard Chase was sentenced to the gas chamber on May the 8th, 1979. Yes. However... He would never see the gas chamber, as on the 26th of December 1980, egged on by his fellow inmates who would always shout obscenities at him, the vampire of Sacramento took a handful of antidepressants he had been saving from his daily dose and died of toxic ingestion on death row. If his family had not been in denial of his mental illness, Richard Chase may have led a very different life and could have spared six innocent lives and saved Sacramento from one of the worst crimes in its history. And that fucking moron doctor. Yep. That doctor who said, you know, he's well aware of what of his problems and he's got good socialisation against everybody else in the hospital. I really hope there was an investigation launched into that guy, like, fucking later on. I mean, Rich Chaso, when he was talking to the FBI, the, they were thought he was crazy, but he would say, like, he woke up in the morning and go to the bathroom and if he lifted up the soap... If it was wet underneath, it meant that he needed more blood. But if it was dry, it meant he had enough blood. Like when he went to the store and he noticed the van that was at the grocery store, to him, that's fate. You know, in a schizophrenic mind, yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. fate and all these things. Sort of cause and effect yeah. in, in a weird, bizarre way. Yeah, so that was Richard Chase. Um on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say that's a fucking 10 of one of the most gruesome cases that we've covered. That was horrifying because it went from, like, this is quite easy you know, to make yeah, jokes about. But then, but then it went to, okay, no, that's a bit horrible. It um, went from 1 to 100 quite quickly. Yeah, it escalated. That escalated quite quick. I mean, you can point the blame. Obviously, you know, you can blame Richard Chase because, you know, he committed these murders. But... 
You've got his mother who was denying him medical care and weaning him off his medication. You've got that doctor who said he was fine to be released. Um, you've got, I mean, there's so many facets into this that people to blame. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, when he's in prison, when I said like they were shouting obscenities, literally every day they knew he was paranoid. Everyone on the block had just begun, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself kill yourself at him to get in his head because they were like you fucking murdered a toddler you fucking disgusting piece of shit and they would go on at him like they'd walk past him and like bang into him going fucking kill yourself kill yourself so then he was like okay and then saved him up and took it but i mean he got you know the coward's way out in inverted commas because he committed suicide you don't know if when he would have had the gas chamber because you know they drag this stuff out, don't they? Yeah, and... I, th- I think the, the thing with this, for me, is that it's just another instance that we find throughout these cases, unfortunately, of somebody being failed by yeah. the system and general human incompetence. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like... Don, I'm not saying what no, he's like, doing. Ju- I'm no, not trying to ju- no, justify what no, 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 what I'm what saying is, doing. like, people like him, and Herbert Mullin and Jeffrey Dahmer, if they get the proper medical care and proper psychological care that they need and medication and treatment, they're not going to be like the most functioning people in society. No, not But at they're all. not going to be killing all these people. Whereas leave them to their own devices, like the parents said, oh, you know, we'll set him up, give him an allowance, put him out of our minds because he's not living with us now. That's when he goes off the reservation. He starts eating raw rabbit entrails and blood, drinking the blood and injecting it in his veins. And I mean, it's a shame that he was let down so badly by the system and his parents. But in the same breath, fuck that guy because he yeah. killed. He, you know, he went around killing innocent people for no reason. And you know, you know, killing animals, it's you know, it's bad. But when you kill, when you just walk, hear a toddler walk in, put a gun against its head, pull the trigger, and then you crack its head open and pull out the brains and eat them and take the body with you, with a bucket of fucking blood, then, f- you know, then, fuck then that fu- guy. fuck you. Like, immediately they've sort of, they've sort of, like, wavered their sort of membership to humanity. And it's not just that. It's it's the fucking human cost of it, because those people, like, have fucking families, and, like, they're going to end up, like, reading the fucking police reports, and then that's more fucking therapy, and it's more trauma. And it's just like a wave of fucking trauma all across the board. And I think that's something that sometimes we we don't hit up on, is it's like the massive, like, fucking thing of these crimes where there's so much trauma across the board, like, after they've been committed. I mean, like... It's it's appalling the way these things wreck lives. I mean, like, Junko Furuta's uh, mum, when she had a fucking nervous breakdown in court, hearing what happened to Junko. yeah. It was fucking terrible. You know, you felt sorry for her. And then you've got the fucking mother of one of the fucking killers and the rapists desecrating Junko's grave and saying that she ruined her son's life. It's like, no, she didn't. She said no to your son. Yeah. Your son and three of his friends and then a hundred other men decided to torture and rape her for 40 days. You know, so fuck off. There's people to blame and people to feel sorry for. And the people who commit the crimes... Or not them. I mean, with Dharma, yeah, I feel sorry for Dharma because he really, really just needed 
help, same as Richard Chase. But as soon as you cross that line of taking a human life, then no, no, you, literally fuck you. That that's it. Like you've you've done it now. You've you've crossed the fucking Rubicon, like so to speak. Yeah. So you know, it's it's just it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like, it is. I, mean, I know we shouldn't be saying, "Oh, it's a difficult one," because I'm with you. I'm with you on the fact that it's like, "Fuck this, dude." But at the same time, it's just like, but the fucking system, like if if the fucking system was better, there wouldn't be these well, sort of like, fucking problems. It was the 70s, Reagan shut down Governor California like he did with Herb Mullen, shut down all the state-run mental institutions, and then it was only private because he was running it for profit. So it cost like $100 a day. So people, these people were out on the street or put in prison, which made them worse. So, I don't want to get too political on it, but no. This, but like, this you, is you, the thing. You, this you, is what happens when you put fucking profit over people. And you can see it mirrored, like, sort of in the times now. Again, not to get too political, but I've got to say it, like, in the times that we're living. The amount of shit that's happened during these, like, fucking lockdowns. Oh, yeah. And they've made, like, they made so many cuts to our mental health service in this, like, fucking country. Like, you're ending up on, like, waiting lists of fucking six months. Like, if that. And it's, like, all the while, like, people are, like, locked up together and people are getting, like, fucking wild and have, like, had enough. It's just, it's 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 a problem inherent in the fucking system. Honestly, it's like Lord of the fucking Flies in my house. I just, like, I'm, like, fucking can't wait for these kids to go back to school. It's like that in my house, only I live alone, so maybe... You don't uh, live alone, you live with a ghost that tries to rape you. It's the only love I feel. <laughs> and on that note and on that note guys thanks for watching let us know what you think about it there was he failed by the system but he is still a piece of shit let us know your feelings and thoughts on it guys um thank you to everybody who has subscribed to us there we're over six thousand now it's fucking stupidly mind-blowing we thank you we don't yeah. we we didn't expect this at all thank you so much guys for liking us and getting in touch um like i said if you do want to get in touch with us you can do on enter the dot podcast at gmail.com you can get in touch with us on facebook twitter instagram um we do talk to you guys as well um you know we've got quite a we've got a fucking bunch of people we're talking to now yeah, 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 we've, we've all got... become friends and shit so um yeah, come along and um, just drop us a line and we'll have a chat. Um, even if you're going through a bad time, a few people have dropped us a line when they're just feeling a bit lonely. Come and talk to us. We'll talk back to you. You know, you're never alone and we're the same as you. If you've got no one to talk to about true crime, talk to us because we will fucking talk about it. Or just random time. shit. Like If anybody wants to hit me up to talk about history, I'm fucking down for that shit. Yeah, no one's Don't give me that fucking disgusted eye. No one's going to look at you. Go, go, oh, yeah, Liz, what did you think about the Byzantium Empire? No one's going to do that. They're going to be like, yo. Stop talking dirty to me. I know, yeah. He's wonking. Yeah. Give me the rape eyes. Fucking Byzantium. Uh, anyway. Constantinople. So, yes, if you do like what we do and you do wish to support us, you can do on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash enter the dark. We do have the $1, the $5, the $7.50, and the $10 tier there. If you if you do pledge $10, you can get um, episodes. You can choose a case for us, I should say, and we will be your bitches, and we will do that case for you. Um, Phil and Hannah have had theirs the last couple videos. So, yeah, awesome. And also, um, 
Anyone who is on the $10 tier and you haven't picked yours yet, I know Amanda Champagne, the classy lady, who Ooh. says it's the first time she's ever been called a classy lady. Her name's Champagne. She should be called it all the time. Um, she said she's having a good think about it. She's having a good thing. She's having a good think about Charles it. Charles Walton. Not Charles Walton. And also... Um, well, what's your hate on Charles Walton? Nothing. Um, also, um, Debbie or, or Debbie Astoria Crowley is having a good fucking think about it. She wants us to do a good one for her. And um, Lisa... Well, with a name like Crowley, she should maybe check out. This is one for you, Debbie Crowley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just uh, the words I've just check, said. Check out. This is an interesting one for you, like with a name like Cr- Crowley. The Tregurthan Horror. The Tregurthan Horror happened in Cornwall and involved your namesake. And also... Um, Got any- a book on it. And also, anyone else, guys, if you do want us to choose a case, just give us a shout at $10 there. Like I said, you don't have to stay on $10 every month. You can just drop down to $1 if you want to. Anything... You- give us we appreciate so much and we do love you um we have got our merch which is the address should be up right now and all the names of our patrons who are awesome are going up as well thank also, you also i'm gonna drop this in. Oh, if, if you like spooky shit if you like spooky shit and just like original like sort of horror stories check out my channel tales from the hangman you might hate it you might think it's shit but just just give it a go sorry i'm gonna plug it well, I always call you Les from Tales from the Hangman, so I'll yeah. plug it on every episode. Yeah, I've got a channel. Like, that's the thing. So just, if you want to check that out, I've got ghost stories, folklore. That's not your jive, then fuck it off. You finished? Yeah. Something I do. Right then, guys. So thank you for watching. <laughs> it's been a great episode, and we're glad to have you back there. I hope you're all safe. I've been Jan. He's been Les from Tales from the Hangman at YouTube. take care see you soon adios bye bye have a good that was a fucking good one man